TheBatmanUniverse.net presents the Batman Universe Podcast, your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 79. I'm your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Melinda. And coming back and joining us is our good old friend, John. Hello. He's back for good now and he is going to be joining us as our uh, our additional co-hosts that uh, we've been asking for for a while. But uh, we're here to talk about not only the movie news, the TV news, video game merchandise, and general news, but we're also here to talk to you about some listener Q&As that were sent in, as well as our feature, which we're going to be talking about the uh, 20th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series, which is in September. So uh, from the month of August, it was kind of a slow month, but there is some news that we're going to go over, so let's start off with movie news. It's a brazen costume for a cat burglar. Yeah, who are you pretending to be? Uh, the very first thing we've got is, uh, as far as movie news, we've, we've really reached the uh, the end of movie news as far as The Dark Knight Rises, except for some box office updates here and there. At this point, while you're listening to the podcast, The Dark Knight Rises has uh, surpassed a billion dollars in the box office worldwide and has also uh, most likely passed the $100 million mark at, uh, in IMAX format, which makes it the only only second movie to do that. Um, now, these numbers are probably going to be slightly higher or right around that point when you're listening to this episode, but at the point, by the time you're listening to this, the movie should have already reached those two milestones. Um, I'm not surprised that they, they went that high in box office. They had a bit of a shaky start, but realistically, that was one of the best movies this summer. I don't see why most people wouldn't go see it. So, I think what's interesting as well is that they've done it and they've raised that money without having to resort to 3D, which suggests actually that 3D's not that popular if a film like this can raise that much money and be an intelligent film. It shows that blockbusters don't have to be stupid nonsense. Pirates of the Caribbean... Alright, and then the other movie news we have is we're starting to get a lot more news for Batman the Dark Knight Returns, which releases in September, uh, specifically September 25th. So just uh, some of the things that popped up online on August 26th, there was a trade ad that was released that you can check out on uh, online. On August 20th, uh, Warner Brothers announced that they are hosting a uh, premiere for Batman the Dark Knight Returns Part 1 Um in both New York and Los Angeles on separate days um, on September 20th and September 24th. Uh, The Batman Universe will actually be at the Los Angeles premiere covering that and getting video interviews with some of the the actual uh, cast involved in the project. So you can look forward to that coming in uh, September as well. And then uh, the only other thing we've got is uh, on August 28th, uh, there was a clip released from Batman The Dark Knight Returns um, it, it's very um, resemblance to a scene that happened during The Dark Knight Rises, but The Dark Knight Rises actually 
got the reference from the Batman the Dark Knight Returns novel, so you can check that out. That's also on our YouTube page. And then on August 30th, there was an uh, interview that was posted with Michael McKean, who voices Dr. Bartholomew Whopper in uh, Batman the Dark Knight Returns. So you can check out all that stuff on the website. Um, but the there's going to be tons more news coming out throughout the month of September, so be sure to be watching the website and uh, be checking out the YouTube page for any of the new videos that they release as well. The Dark Knight Returns, I'm... I'm really interested to see because based on the clips, it it looks like it's a better animation style than year one, and I'm I'm not a huge fan of Frank Miller's storytelling, but I want to see how this one turns out. Um, I I have to admit I'm not actually all that excited about this. Um, I've kind of been underwhelmed by the clip. It, it didn't seem Maybe I had higher expectations, but it, it just didn't sort of fit how I thought and the suggestions that I got when they, they started publicizing this, that it would be going down. Um, I don't know who any of the voice cast are either, I must admit, and I think that's part of the reason that I'm not as excited about this as I should, but hopefully I'll be proved wrong. Well, I can tell you that Wade Williams, who's voiced some characters in the past, I specifically, he voiced Black Mask in uh, Under the Red Hood. He's voicing Two-Face. Okay, and then Peter Weller is voicing um, Bruce, Bat- Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and he's actually the 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 actual he was the character he was the actor who who played RoboCop in the RoboCop franchise. And then as far as uh, Carrie. Kelly Ariel Winter from the TV show Modern Family is voicing uh, Robin Carrie Kelly. So, you, so I mean, it's not it's not like as huge names. I mean, Peter Weller is a pretty huge name, but for the most part, as far as the the fan community goes, but everybody else is. I mean, they're using some of the characters or some of the actors they've used from past movies um, because I assume that's because they're easy to work with and they have you know a range of voices that they can do. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not like they said Kevin Conroy is going to be voicing Batman and, you know, that's obviously going to be a much bigger announcement than Peter Weller, in my opinion, because of what we do. But I think, based off of what I've, what I've heard Peter Weller say, which really hasn't been in any of the clips, there was the, the initial trailer that was released that kind of hinted at his voice, and it was pretty good. But, um... It was actually the release of Superman vs. the Elite that had uh, the the featurette, the making of Batman: The Dark Knight Returns Part One, and it had his voice in that, and it was it was pretty good, and it it, it got me it got me excited about it. I mean, I I, I like the story, um, so I, I'm interested to see how it plays out in animated form. But I'm I understand your caution with the uh, voices. Yeah, I, I like. Um... Was it is it Wade Wilson? Wade Williams. Wade Williams. Um, well, I like I liked um, Black Mask in in Under the Red Hood. So if it, yeah, like you say, if, then he's gonna be good. Um, I haven't actually seen RoboCop or Modern Family, um, which I know I'm going to get shot over. But um, yeah, no, it's okay. So I kind of 
<laughs> I can. So I, I think I'm still gonna reserve judgment. Really, I'm not. I mean, at least with Ben McKenzie in year one, I, I knew who he was, and I kind of knew his his talent and kind of knew what he could do. So it made me a bit more excited. But maybe it's just because I I've not seen them, and other people have. Well, I'm just over at IMDb right now, and Wade Williams also played a warden at Blackgate in The Dark Knight Rises. Okay, so yeah, so he's been around quite a quite a few uh, Batman stuff. Then I think I might have to go back. I might have to go and watch RoboCop. I think, and then that might help. All right, so then that's pretty much all the movie news. Batman and Robin, dynamic duo against crime and corruption, whose real identity is millionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his young ward Dick Grayson are known only to Alfred the Faithful Butler. Ever alert, they respond swiftly to a signal from the police, and moments later, from the secret Batcave deep beneath Wayne Manor, they roar out to protect life, limb, and property as Batman and Robin, Cape Crime Fighters. Batman and Robin, scourge of Gotham City's kooky criminals. The Joker, clown prince of crime. The Penguin, pudgy purveyor of perfidy. And the cool, cruel Mr. Freeze. Watch out, villains. Here come Batman and Robin. As far as TV news goes, we still don't have any ep- new episodes of Young Justice that have aired. Um, but uh, as far as actual news goes, August 16th, Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment announced when the uh, Robot Chicken DC Comics special would be airing. And it's actually September 9th at midnight. So um, while you're listening to this, it's right before the uh, premiere of the, the Robot Chicken DC Comics special. I'm actually really looking forward to this. They've got a really all-star cast lined up f- to voice a number of different of the characters that are appearing in this. And I, I've always really liked Robot Chicken. I like, I love stop motion. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this special. So my DVR is already set. Um, I actually have not seen a whole ton of Robot Chicken. I think I've seen two clips. I've always really enjoyed what I've seen. So... I definitely, I will be at work when this is premiering, but when I get home from work in the morning, I will sit down with breakfast and whatever and be watching that. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah, Robot Chicken always do these kind of things really well. Um, I'm a massive fan of their Star Wars stuff, so they take it down the same route. I expect it to be very, very funny and very, very well done. Um, and, And done with a sort of love of the of the genre as well, which I think is is always nice. So make sure you set your DVRs for September 9th at midnight on uh, Cartoon Network in the states, and I'm sure it'll it'll air, it'll make its way online somehow. Probably not in the most legal format, but uh, it'll also probably show up on Teletoon up in Canada and eventually over in the UK as well. Or it might actually, I imagine this will actually probably get released on DVD as well as all of the Robot Chicken Star Wars specials have been released on DVD as well. So we can only hope that this will be released as well. Really, the only other TV news is uh, we did get some word from Warner Brothers that the end of September we're going to start seeing some new episodes of Young Justice uh, uh, start airing. 
Um, if you've been watching on Cartoon Network in the States and uh, been watching Young Justice as it airs on Saturday mornings, um, they did restart uh, airing the second season, so they're slowly catching up to the point where I think they're going to just build off of what's already been released and then flow right into new episodes towards September. Um, don't know exactly which date. Um, we just know that according to Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers, new episodes are supposed to start airing the end of August or <clears throat> the end of September. So make sure you're checking that out um, and watching that. Uh, make sure you watch the website. We'll, we'll obviously, as soon as we get word from Warner Brothers that new episodes are coming up, we'll be uh, posting that on the website as well. I, I was going to say that um, Star Wars, um, The Clone Wars comes back as well. So and I know that's moved to to Saturday morning about 9.30 so it will be interesting to see what they do with Young Justice whether they're going to put that into the old Star Wars slot or they're going to run it as a a bulk thing which will be quite good or whether they're trying to push the audiences up and keep them at a high level by attracting both sets of fans alright so they're moving into merchandise news Six. Mom, wondering what to feed the family tonight. What'll I feed the family tonight? Arr, try me famous joker fish. They're smiling smelt, giggling grouper, and happy haddock. This could cause a stampede to pork. Again, not a lot to go over, but uh, August 2nd, uh, Toy News International posts up some information relating to a new release from Cotabakia. They're called the Cotabakia Korajani minifigures. Uh, they kind of look like Lego figures, slightly taller. Um, it's more, I mean, they have the idea of a Lego figure. You can check out pictures on the website. Um, on August 6th, uh, UD Replicas revealed their newest motorcycle suit based off the Dark Knight Rises. We have pictures of that on, online. On August 13th, DC Collectibles announced their lineup for December 2012, which includes um, DC Comics cover girl Harley Quinn, based off of her look in the New 52. Uh, DC Comics cover girl Poison Ivy, also off of her New 52 look. There's a Dark Knight Rises the Bat glass etching um, that is set to release. And then the, what I assume could be the final statue, but maybe not, the Dark Knight Rises Batman vs. Bane 1-6 scale icon statue with Bane holding Batman over his head. Um, that releases um, actually in November for a price of $325, so um, kind of expensive, but uh, then again, some of the stuff from DC Collectibles, because it is so such high quality, does need to be a little bit more expensive. Um, the, the Bane and Batman statue, I think, looks really good. Um, I'm so very impressed with that one. Harley Quinn, I understand that's her new costume and everything, it's just, to me, that's not... The classic Harley Quinn. I'm I'm not sure how well a statue like that will do. And as far as the leather motorcycle suit, I would absolutely love to get that. I don't even care that all I'm driving is a scooter. That would be awesome. Yeah, uh, the, the, the motorcycle mo- uh, motorbike suit is is awesome. I don't drive anything, and I, I'm still contemplating getting it just to be able to run around in it. I accept it's quite childish. Um, the Protobakia stuff uh, looks really, really horrible. I, I, I don't 
get it. And, and they have quite strange expressions on their face. It kind of, they kind of seem quite soulless. Um, it, it, they're, I, something weird about them. And the the Harley Quinn statue is in a really weird pose as well. Um, I'm not entirely sure if people's spines can pull that position. Um, it, it just doesn't look normal to me. But maybe I'm just being difficult. And and the uh, you know the Bane statue is fantastic as well. Absolutely brilliant. Definitely be getting that. Alright, and then August 10th, uh, Mattel revealed their Batman Unlimited series. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to be very very big series, but uh, the first series is going to have the New 52 Batgirl, the New 52 Batman, and the Superpowers Penguin. And so far, what's been released for uh, Series 2 is the Dark Knight Returns Batman and the Batman of Zuran R with Batmite. Um, the DC Unlimited Series 2, which isn't going to come out till 2013, is actually going to include the Injustice Gods Among Us Batman based off of the video game that's releasing next year as well. Um, I will definitely be collecting all of these, um, as I've been pretty regularly collecting all of the uh, Mattel DC Batman-related characters that have been released over the past five or six years. So this would be nice to get a New 52 Batgirl and a Penguin, and even even the Zura and R Batman is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most with the Batmite. Um, I was just thinking that, actually, that I think that's really cute that they included Batmite with the Batman of Zura and R. Um, these all look like really nice, really nice collectibles. Um, not really a whole lot else to say other than that, other than I think that the Batman of Zura and R one is probably the best one. And then the only other stuff we've got is August 20th. Uh, Warner Brothers announced there's a bunch of new uh, Batman t-shirts by Echo. Um, and then on August 28th, uh, Superhero Hype revealed a new poster from Mondo exploring the Batcave. Um, it's already actually sold out. Um, be sure to be checking out uh, our Twitter feed at Batman Universe because uh, we've, we follow Mondo and every, every time they announce a Batman poster... We've been retweeting it, and then the sales always occur on Thursday, and they're very limited. They're only limited to about 500 copies, and they go on sale for about $50. And these sell out, like, within the first couple hours that they go on sale. So uh, make sure you're following us to, f to uh, find out about the Batman posters. This Batcave poster is absolutely amazing. And then finally, August 31st, Hot Toys revealed their Dark Knight Rises Catwoman figure. Um, as we've always expected from Hot Toys, extremely detailed. It looks exactly like Anne Hathaway. Um, it's a great figure. I will definitely also be adding that to my collection as well. Yeah, I don't think that there's ever been anything that Hot Toys has really misstepped on. And just looking at this, I mean, the detail that they put into it is is incredible. It's absolutely worth what you will pay for it. Uh, it's interesting that the Batman clothing has become quite popular again. I, I mean, the Tops and stuff look really, really nice, um, and I, I definitely will be purchasing some to go along with uh, the rest of the stuff. Um, they, it seems to have entered quite mainstream cult as well. Um, there's a, a pop group over here called Little Mix who, are, who came off our version of American Idol, um, and and they've been photographed in a lot of, of Batman stuff, as a few other celebrities have. So I think that these will sell quite well based off 
of that sort of celebrity promotion, really. Alright, so then moving right into video game news. Man, Slash nailed me again. Nightwing? My internet game character. Cool, huh? Uh, the first thing we've got is on August 6th, Paul Dini, um, who has written uh, Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Arkham City, uh, recently announced that he will not be returning to do another game for Rock City. Um, and he clarified this on his personal blog, stating, So here's w what's what with the Batman games as far as they relate to me. The last talk I had with Warner Interactive about future games was while I was doing promotion for Arkham City last September. Naturally, as there was a, such a rush in, of interest about Arkham City, everyone was asking me about a third game. And frankly, I had been wondering about that myself. When I asked about the possibility of working on a third game, I was told that Rocksteady had just finished wrapping up the second one and it would be a while before everyone was ready to sit down and discuss future plans. That said, it was imitated that for future games, Warner and Rocksteady might not be looking as much to freelance writers, the message being that if I had something else interesting coming my way, I might want to take it. When I later read their subsequent announcements about the Harley Quinn's Revenge game expansion and the rumored Arkham prequel JLA game, I figured that they had filled their writer needs. I had long before taken Warner Brothers or Warner Interactive's advice and booked my schedule with a number of other projects, leaving me unavailable to take on anything new until 2013. It was fun working with Warner's and Rocksteady on the first two Arkham games. I am grateful to them both for a tremendous experience. Rock City has a great crew of artists and storytellers, and it was exciting and enlightening for me to be a part of that team. If we wind up working together again at some point, that would be cool too. So, obviously, this doesn't confirm that there is a third game in the works, but uh, Dini most likely is not going to be involved with writing a story unless um, they wait until 2013 to get that going, which seems a little bit late, but uh, we, we, who knows? I think he handled that in a really good way. I mean, that could have easily been something that he sounded very bitter about, but he definitely took the high road. And it sounds like he did have a lot of fun working with both Warner and Rocksteady. So I hope that if they do wait on it till 2013, because from what I've seen, both Arkham Asylum and Arkham City have fantastic stories. Um, I hope that they do contact him. Yeah, he. Um, I, I think he's provided the... He's made those games interesting and and compelling, and and that's definitely a key reason that they sold so well. But I, I do kind of think that reading sort of between the lines, Rocksteady aren't sure whether they do actually want to do a third one because let's face it, topping Arkham Cities is going to be hard, and when you kind of think about it, there's not really anywhere else that they they can go with the storyline as well, unless they, you know, turn it into a, a state or a small country, um, which would seem a bit excessive, if you ask me. So, I I can't say I'm surprised, um, and I kind of hope that there's not anymore, but Paul Dini does still continue to be involved in, in a lot of other stuff, and we do see him again. You know, the interesting thing is that you said it's going to be very difficult for them to top Arkham City, and I agree it is going to be very difficult, but if you remember, we said the exact same thing about The Dark Knight, and uh, it was going to be very, very hard for them to top The Dark Knight um, when The Dark Knight Rises came out, 
and I don't know necessarily that the Dark Knight Rises topped the Dark Knights, but uh, they definitely lived up to um, the quality that the Dark Knight was. So I think if they took the same approach with uh, the video games, they could do it. Now, the the rumored Justice League in the Silver Age game, um, I'm not real sure how that could top it. And if they were, they said that they were planning on doing it as a possible prequel. I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, it's uh, we'll have that's like a wait and see type situation because I don't know how something like that could actually top it, especially by taking it to the Silver Age. All right, um, moving on to Injustice Gods Among Us on August fourteenth, Warner Brothers announced that Catwoman will be joining Injustice Gods Among Us. And uh, there's some screenshots and a video that was posted up on the website, so you can check that out. And then on August 27th, um, Ed Boon revealed some more details uh, for Injustice in a number of different videos that you can check out also on the website. Um, as far as Batman Arkham City, uh, it was announced back in June that the new Nintendo system, the Wii U, would be receiving a release, uh, a, a new version of Batman Arkham City um, called the Armored Edition. Um, Superhero Hype revealed the cover and, a, and some concept art from the game. You can check that out on the website. We still don't know exactly when the game is coming out, but uh, it's supposed to be released sometime around the holidays as well. And then finally, uh, for Gotham City Imposters, on August 31st, um, it was announced uh, from Warner Brothers that Gotham City Imposters has actually gone free-to-play on PC using um, the client Steam. Um, gamers who join on Steam will not only get the latest version of the game, but also all of the DLC packs, including the map packs that have been released. Um, there's a video on the website that you can check out explaining all of the details behind this. But essentially, if you have a PC and you have yet to play Gotham City Imposters, you can now play it for free. I know that we've we've talked very limitedly about Gotham City Imposters, but I like the idea that they've gone free to play on PC. Um, I think that that you know, if they ever do decide to create more chargeable content for it, having it as a free base will increase the revenue later on. Well, it's it's not completely free with Stream. Um, you you pay a, a monthly subscription. I think in the UK it's about six ninety nine. I don't I don't think it's much more in America. But that said, Stream is in a lot of problems at the moment. Um, it's it's not taken off how they expected um, and without belittling Gotham City imposters, I think adding it to stream isn't going to help stream or really help Gotham City imposters, um, which I've played and was very unimpressed by so it's, I, I, I'm going to wait to see if anything good comes out of it although I'm not entirely sure that it will I think the big thing is that Gotham City's Imposter has been, has been out since February. Initially, I think it cost like 10 bucks to buy. They've had a number of DLC packs, but all the DLC packs have been free. Um, as, as far as I remember, I, I believe every single DLC pack they've released has been free. So you pay $10 initially for the, the game on PlayStation or Xbox... You can play the game, and they release all this new content, new weapons, new uh, armor add-ons, all of these, these maps. You know, I've said this over and over again. The game is not a type of game that you're going to play and be 
completely you know blown away by. It's not Arkham City. It's just it's a fun game that you can play you know very briefly. Um, but there's there's plenty of I mean if you're into you know first person shooters in like a tournament style thing, this is definitely a game that you can play and get a lot of fun out of. Um, it's just it's not really it has like the loosest connection to Batman as possible. Alright, so then moving on to general news. This is Summer Gleason, back live at the Gotham State University. The campus bank was the target of a robbery and a malicious arson attempt by the so-called Scarecrow. Only one bit of general news to report. On August 17th, DC Entertainment announced that there are two new apps um, for mobile phones related to The Dark Knight Rises. They are both exclusively to Nokia window phone devices. The first one is a motion comic that serves as a prologue to The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, writer Joshua Williamson and artist Jorge Jimenez uh, were the creators on the project, and there's a screenshot of the uh, motion comic on the website. It actually provides it's a it's almost um, a prologue to the prologue, if if I could say it like that, um, where they show the events leading up to Bane coming to the uh, airplane for the, the CIA airplane. Uh, the other app is a Batman Origins app, which features the comic origins of the characters that are found in the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, so you can get that if you have a Nokia Windows phone. I'm sure eventually some of these apps will be released um, on other phone on other phones as well. Um, but uh, it's it's very similar to the things we've seen on DC Comics, the origin of the different characters. Now these would be the origins of the characters prior to their New Fifty Two. Um, prior to the New 52 specifically because of some of the items that they show in the app um, clearly are the older the uh, older references to the characters and not the newer ones. I am a little confused as to why they chose the older origins. Like I, I understand that that's the original story and that's what the majority of the comics that you will find out that are not the New 52 but if they're pushing the New 52 so hard it seems to me that they should have either kind of kept that in mind or made reference to that somehow. Well, with, with the, the New 52, everything that went before is still technically in continuity. So right, right. I, I don't think the origins have changed. And I think DC are trying to push as much as possible that it, it's not changed and it's still the same universe that you love and enjoy so if they did come out with with new origins i think a lot of fans would really throw their toys out of the pram excellent turn of phrase i know thank you all right so then with that that is all of our that is actually all of the uh news we have so let's get into our q and a's riddle me this Who's afraid of the big black bat? Not as many Q&As for this show as we have had for the past shows, um, or the comic cast. We had a lot of feedback for the comic cast this month, but not as much for the normal cast. So uh, hopefully we can get some more emails and answer some more questions in the upcoming episodes. Um, but we do have one that we're going to go over. This is from Alberto from uh, Texas. He says, here's hoping you guys haven't recorded your Dark Knight Rises recap yet, if... 
If not, maybe you can reassure me of something. First off, let me start off by saying I love the movie and how it ended. I'm still leaning towards The Dark Knight as my favorite of the trilogy, and I'm thinking because of Heath Ledger's performance of the Joker in that film. Well, okay, I love the movie in every aspect about it. I walked out thinking to myself, wow, they didn't let me down. I've seen it three times since then. In the prison that Bruce Wayne escapes from, where is the rope coming from that they tie around him in the first couple of times he tries to escape? Wouldn't it seem logical that the greatest detective would have figured out just to climb up the rope? Or is it, or is there an honor code among the prisoners thing, among the prisoners thing going on here where you must climb your way out and not climb the rope? It seems to be a little hole in the film. I'm not trying to be a hater. I love Batman and what Christopher Nolan did to revive the franchise and bring a flock of new Batman fans. It's just a little question I have. Another question. Do you think John Blake's character is going to fight crime as Batman or Robin slash Nightwing? I know there are many, so many similarities to Dick Grayson and Tim Drake. Oh yeah, and by the way, his first name is Robin. How could I not think he'll go on to fight crime as Robin Nightwing? But I'm heavily leaning towards him donning the cape and the cowl, even though Gotham believes Batman to be deceased. Bloodhaven needs Nightwing and Gotham needs Batman. I wish the line of him saying his first name was Robin wouldn't have been in the film. Also, on another note, how do you feel about, instead of us Batman DC fans relying on these animated film shows, we get like a gritty HBO Showtime type series that is able to expand on the Batman universe and DC universe, introducing new fans and satisfying old, satisfying old die-hard fans alike. I don't see it happening, but I wish it would. Until then, it's Young Justice Beware the Batman and Dark Knight Returns animated films coming up. Thank you for your time. Alberto. Alright, so let's cover these questions uh, one by one. I think the rope was suspended from the center. I think it was... I think there were two different ropes, because he throws a different rope back in after he gets out. Um, so, and that that rope, the way that every time he failed, it suspended him swinging in the middle yeah. of the, the okay. tunnel, so... Uh, well, I, w- I was going to say that, um, as, as Bane says in the film, the the idea is to give... The, the best way to destroy someone is is to give them hope and then take that away and and that's what the rope's there to do like you say Dustin it, it's there so they've got this belief that they can get out of the pit that there is a way out but you know, as, as Bruce shows you can't do it with the rope, it's impossible the only other person who got out didn't use the rope and, and Bruce gets out not using the rope but there's that mindset that we have that the rope is, you know, when we use, we think of ropes as as a way out, um, and 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 that's what they're trying to do. That's why the the place is so depressing is because there's a, an obvious way out, but you you can never achieve it. The next question about uh, who John Blake would be playing, um, hypothetically, I think most likely he would be playing Batman. Um, I think the idea of them saying his name was Robin was just a nod to say, look at Robin not as an identity, but as a as a name of, you know, like a successor type phrase. Uh, it's not necessarily Robin mean, or I think the way it, was, it should be interpreted is Robin is not necessarily a sidekick or an identity of a hero. Robin is being used as a successor type phrase for John Blake uh, for Batman. So I think ultimately 
he would actually become Batman because I think throughout the entire movie there was a lot of uh, points that Bruce Wayne kept pointing out to John Blake about you know Batman is just a mask it's a symbol um you know it's not it's not a specific person it's just a man in a mask and they said that they said that numerous times throughout the film so i think ultimately it would make sense for John Blake just to become Batman and because Batman is a symbol not necessarily you know one specific person and that was the point that Bruce Wayne was trying to prove throughout the entire film um and like Alberto said, I mean, the entire city of, of Gotham thinks Batman is dead, so it, for him to come back and play Batman, it would really only add to the mystique and the mythos of Batman within that city. You know, he would then definitely be viewed as someone who is, you can't kill him. Um, and that, that I think would be, it would, it would be terrifying to criminals who ran up against him because they've already thought, well, he's dead, you know. He died in a nuclear explosion. No, Oh, no, there he is. Um, I think it makes the most sense for him to play Bruce Wayne because if we're sticking within the Christopher Nolan universe, he's never really mentioned other places, particularly ones where if he were Nightwing, he would go to, and it really doesn't make sense for him to stay in Gotham as Robin when Batman, Bruce, specifically told him you wear the mask and you use the name to protect the people you care about. I kind of got the feeling that Christopher Nolan never really wanted to do the the ending where um, there's the possibility of John Blake becoming Batman. I think that it, it's been put in there because there's then the opportunity for a new director to come in and Chris, um, uh, uh, Christian Bale had, you know, didn't kind of want to do it, but I, I think that the Warner Brothers will want to keep on doing it, so they'll make him the new Batman and and possibly lead into a, a Justice League movie and let them get around the whole Nolan saying no, Batman is the only superhero in this universe and I think they'll string together things that they've done like Arrow um, they've got the new Superman movie and I, I think they'll they'll try and put this Batman into into a Justice League thing but I'm being quite cynical so. yeah I'm also I'm gonna have to disagree I, I really don't think that Warner Brothers is going to take Christopher Nolan's Batman and put him in a Justice League movie and I, I think the reason behind that is Chris Nolan's been making Warner Brothers a lot of money, and for Warner Brothers to take Christopher Nolan's Batman and say, oh yeah, we're just going to take the Batman that you created and we're going to put him in this Justice League movie, I think to me it's just like a spin in the face of Chris Nolan. I don't think they're, it's basically saying, well, hey, you know what, um, you know, thanks for making us a, you know, billions of dollars, but uh, now we're just going to sit back and say, well, we're just going to take what you created and and uh, put it in a different way that you don't necessarily appreciate. I think what's going to happen is um, they're probably, if they do a Justice League movie, they'll probably maybe do a Justice League movie to establish um, the Justice League. They'll do like the opposite of what they did with the Avengers, where they'll take the Avengers and 
the Avengers was like a build-up to the Avengers. I think what it's going to happen is it's going to be like the other way around where it's going to be Justice League comes out and then from there they can start doing like the Flash and Wonder Woman. It's not necessarily what I would want. I don't really think a Justice League movie is necessary, but I think the problem is that Warner Brothers really doesn't believe that there's a lot of Justice League characters that could, you know, carry a movie by themselves. And Green Lantern was a letdown um, for more than one reason, but it mostly had to do with the fact that they just didn't, you know, they didn't do what they should have done with the character, and it didn't make as much money. So to them, you know putting in some more money out there for some Justice League characters, um, I think their mindset is, why don't we just put all of our, our eggs in one basket and get this Justice League movie out because it would be so epic and so iconic. But I think they're going to run into a problem of making the characters all work in one film together. Um, just a side note from that, if they do the Justice League movie first, that is probably the best way for them to figure out which characters audiences are responding to because Marvel tried two separate times with Hulk movies and they were terrible. Nobody liked them. I did. but I'm, I'm sorry. Those, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who I actually, I like the second Hulk movie a lot better than the first Hulk movie, but I, I liked both movies. But I know I'm the very, very low minority. Okay, so... But but even so, the majority of people did not like those movies, whereas in the Avengers, they still brought in Hulk, and it was a different actor, and people loved him. And based on that, I think he is getting his own movie eventually again, but it, I think it would be a great opportunity for DC to say, okay, well, here's all these characters. Who do you like the best? We'll make a movie on them. Um, I, I also like both Hulk movies, so you're not alone, Dustin. Um, but I don't think Warner Brothers think that way. I think Warner Brothers look at this and will go, right, Superman kind of made us money. Christopher Nolan's Batman made us a heck of a load of money. Flash, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern made some money. And um, um, Aquaman or Green... Um, Martian Manhunter, depending on how they go. The the only one that's made them a decent amount of money is Christopher Nolan's one, and if they can hinge a Justice League movie on that, they they will do because it will it will make them money. And and I I I, I honestly do think that that's that's the reason that they they put that in there. From what Christopher Nolan was saying before this beforehand, I don't I I think he wanted the John Blake character in there. But to further the mythos of Batman, not to make a new Batman. I think that's a Warner Brothers thing. Alright, and then moving on to his last question about uh, wouldn't it be cool to see an HBO Showtime type series to expand the Batman universe to the DC universe? Oh yes, it definitely would be. I've said this numerous times uh, on past episodes. I think we actually talked about this as a feature in one of the episodes uh, maybe a couple years back. It would be great to see uh, a TV show on HBO or Showtime, um, spe- well, specifically HBO, because HBO does a really good job of not only marketing, but also they have very, very high budgets for their shows, so you can do a lot of really cool-looking things on the shows that you wouldn't necessarily do if it was a network TV show. Um, I, I think it would be great to, to get something like that. 
Um, I, I enjoyed Smallville the last couple seasons when they started expanding and including some of the other characters from the DC Universe. But if we had an HBO show that was, you know, more Batman related or the best the best thing I could say is if it was a if if we did a if they did a Batman TV show that was on HBO they could do like a Gotham Central type show where it's basically focusing on the Gotham police but they encounter all of these characters and Batman is just a character that's in the shadows instead of a character that is you know the prominent character of the show you know, he pops up here and there, but it's mostly, you know, the the myth and legend of Batman more so than the, you know, Batman's the guy who saves everything all the time. And it deals more with Gotham Central. I think that would be really cool. I would pay for HBO to watch that show. Um, I think that given the right network, absolutely, the show could be fantastic. Um, and, I mean, obviously with the last three movies, we've proved that he works in a mainstream narrative format, so... I, I would like to see them, but my hesitation would always be that they would not, that if it were not on a network like HBO or Showtime that have the freedom to kind of show what they want to show, I think that it wouldn't be treated as well. Um, it would be homogenized, it would be dumbed down, and it would be, oh, okay, well, fart jokes get ratings, let's put those in. Yeah, I, I wonder how where they kind of do it um, whether you do it where he's an established character in which case you know, you're you going to have to either do an overall arc with a specific villain or do you do sort of one shot-ish episode with a specific villain um, and then you kind of risk as Melinda you say you know I'll you know, adding in fart jokes or or making it a little bit ridiculous. Um, and if you do his if you do his early years where he's training, it's it's quite hard to see how you could make that fantastically interesting week in week out over series and things like that. Um, but you know, I could be wrong. I, I think a lot of it as well hinges on how well Arrow does. I think DC will probably be, and, and other TV companies will be looking at that and seeing how it how it plays out and how it works and whether it has the the same staying power that Smallville did. And of course, they've hinted that you're going to see other superheroes in Arrow, and it, it's not impossible that. That the Batman would appear in that as maybe a tester to see whether it works or not. All right, so that is all of our listener Q and A's. Just a reminder, everyone out there, you can uh, leave us uh, feedback on the website right underneath the posting of the podcast. Um, you can leave comments there, and we can read those on the next episode. Also, um, you can send us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net leave us comments on Facebook and Twitter about the episode or any questions that you have and we'll definitely address those on the next episode. Dark Knight Returns comes out uh, the end of September so we'll be probably talking about that um, on the next episode um, as well as our eventual commentary that we'll release as well so lots of things going on with that. Alright so let's get into our discussion for this episode.
going to talk about Batman the Animated Series because in September, this this uh, actually is the 20th anniversary of the release of Batman the Animated Series. So what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about a couple of our favorite episodes, a couple of the things we really, really enjoyed from the series, and why in some cases uh, it, it still holds true 20 years later. Um, so this is, this is a series that I have not seen a lot of, um, and I realize that's a huge amount of blasphemy. It's you know a very beloved show, but the truth is I did not grow up on animated things. Um, so when I watch this now, it's with a very, very different eye. Um, just as an example, when Bane was announced as the villain, one of my friends said, okay, well, now we've got to watch the Bane episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And we did, and I sat down and I watched it, and I thought, yeah, that's that's a really smart show that they have been putting out for, that they put out that was aimed at, not necessarily children, but certainly not not adults, and and I was very impressed with it. So, I mean, I guess my favorite thing about it would have been the portrayal of Bane. Um, like Melinda, I, I came to it quite young. Um, it's out sort of 92 onwards, um, and um, in the UK, it, it wasn't as big as it was um, in America. Um, and it, and uh, here it, it got overshadowed by things like Power Rangers, um, and we had Mighty Max and, and stuff like that. So I came to it quite late. But the, the most, my sort of favourite thing is the way that it, it plays to both older fans and kids as well. It it, it walks that tightrope that can be quite hard to do, and it, it, it does it constantly, time and time again. Uh, it's got all the action and the heroes and, and the wonderful stuff that kids like but at the same time it makes a lot of nods and winks and stays true to the comics as well which helps the the older fans stay interested and I think why it's, it's so loved really some of my uh, favourite things about the series is that they did a very good job of not only incorporating some of the past things such as um, one of the episodes the demon's quest which features kind of you know this over this this big story of Ra's al Ghul and uh, Batman uh, fighting against Ra's al Ghul but there were some distinct scenes from that episode that were pulled straight out of some of the uh, Neil Adams Denny O'Neill comics from the 70s where Ra's al Ghul was first introduced but then they besides the 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 stuff that they pulled from the comics they also did a very good job of creating newer things like for instance we had the episode Heart of Ice which gave a little bit more information about Mr. Freeze and kind of redid Mr. Freeze for a new generation because Mr. Freeze before Batman the Animated Series the last time we really saw him was back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, and he was still based off of that Mr. Zero character from Batman the TV show. So it was, it, it's it's kind of cool to that they were able to do that. I mean, who could forget that they created Harley Quinn? Um, the show created Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn was never in the comics before that. So they did a great job of incorporating some of the older things, but then also including and creating new things. Um, to add to the Batman mythos, which some other shows have tried to do, but just have not been as successful as Batman the Animated Series. Um, 
I found out later on that Harley Quinn was originally a character on Batman the Animated Series. And like you said, Justin, other other shows have tried to introduce things into into things that we consider to be canon, but it doesn't really seem that anything was as successful at it as this show. Um, and just looking through, they adapted so much from older comics and, and chose to use those storylines because I think those were definitely storylines that were a little more appropriate for the age of people who are watching. But um, I did see the Heart of Ice episode, and and that one is is actually very heartbreaking to watch. And I mean, you don't think that way when you're when you're a small child, but when you you get older, you have a little more life experience. You think, wow, okay, not that unrealistic of a reaction. And that's where you that's where I at least find Mister Freeze a very sympathetic character, and I almost never find him sympathetic. Oh uh, well, um, I was going to say that they had Maxi Zeus in there. I love he's brilliant um, it was hilariously done it was wonderfully voiced it was it was an episode of, of sheer campness in a kind of in a good way um, and I think that's something that they have done very well is taking obscure characters and making them popular and, and interesting as well um, you know they they took Mr. Freeze and, and like you guys said reworked his beginnings which they did very well introduced Harley Quinn and they they did a lot of other you know villains as well Killer Croc the Mad Hatter that kind of thing and and I think they you know it introduced it to a new audience one that hadn't seen it before yeah, another episode that that uh, I will that I distinctly remember is the Legends of the Dark Knight episode. <clears throat> where they basically have three children describing their encounters with Batman and they're they're describing Batman in very different ways but each way is a distinct version of Batman that we've seen throughout his comic history so there was a version that he was based off of kind of like the golden age there was another one that was Frank Miller's the Dark Knight um, version there was a it was really interesting to see because the reality is if Batman existed in the real world and, and kids did see him, they would all interpret Batman as a very different character. Um, now, this episode also, I I want to say, but I don't know for sure, that it actually inspired one of the chapters in Batman Gotham Knight, because one of the episodes, or one of the chapters in that film, Batman Gotham Knight, actually had three people talking about their different versions of Batman. They weren't the exact same as what we saw in Legends of the Dark Knight, but... I definitely can see, in, you know, a, similar, a similarity between the episode and the chapter in the film to see that they go along. But also, let's not forget that uh, Batman the Animated Series also spawned a number of animated shows, or animated shows and films we had. Um, if Batman the Animated Series wasn't as successful as it was, we would have never seen Superman the Animated Series. We would have never seen um, other shows like Static Shock, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, all these other shows that spawned from Warner Brothers Animation because Batman the Animated Series was so popular and so successful. Um, the show won all kinds of awards, but as far as movies go, we saw Mask of the Phantasm, which actually was released in theaters when it uh, first came out, um, which is a great film by itself. That was another example of them creating a character that wasn't ever in the comics, but making it work 
and still believable that it was part of the the Batman mythos. There was also other movies like uh, Batman uh, Mystery of Batwoman, which kind of was it was in the same theme as Batman the animated series, but was a little bit further along as far as uh, it was kind of falling in the time frame of uh, the Justice League TV show um, because of when it was released. But Batman Beyond also then ended up having movies. I mean, all of these shows um, that, you know, distinctly would never probably exist if it wasn't for Batman the Animated Series being as good as it was. Um, one of the other things that I noticed it it has done for me, at least since, um, it informs the... This is going to sound really bad. It informs the voices in my head. Um, no, when I'm, when I'm reading a Batman comic now... Prior to this, I mean, I would read it and I would hear it, but now it, in my head it's Kevin Conroy's voice because that's Batman's voice, you know? These created some very iconic voices for the characters that even now people are still comparing them to 20 years later. I mean, people, when John DiMaggio did the voice for Joker in Under the Red Hood, people were saying, oh, well, he was trying too hard to be Mark Hamill. Oh, he was trying too hard to be... Ledger. And it, it wasn't even that he was trying so hard to be either one of them, it's just those are the two voices, particularly Mark Hamill, but that's the voice that we associate with the Joker. So, looking through, they had a number of wildly talented voice actors who, who really did create the sound that we feel like we should be hearing whenever we watch them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it, it certainly set the tone for every other Batman cartoon um, and and the thing that, that always that you know you can have a new cartoon and it will always inevitably be compared to Batman the animated series you know um, that, one of the, that was one of the things that Batman the Brave and the Bold always got compared to the Batman which followed after which, which was a very good series got knocked because it wasn't Batman the animated series and I, I think that's a good thing in, you know, that that's because it, it, it was so successful that it set the time. I think it's a negative thing because it, it, it's so hard to it, it's not going to ever live up to, nothing that comes after it is ever going to live up to being Batman the Animated Series and when they do try and move away and, and give people, you know, give the joke new voices and things like that, it's always going to go back to Mark Hamill or Kevin Conroy or whoever and and I think that can be damaging as well as a good thing so I mean in the end Batman the animated series it had its uh, it also had its downs I'm, we're not going to talk about those downs because I mean, we're here to, to celebrate the fact that it's been 20 years since it first came about but the ep- there was there was definitely episodes that weren't nearly as good but the the thing that's most important is that despite the fact that they had episodes that weren't so good, they had plenty of episodes that were really good and that a lot of us will remember for a long time. I want to say, just, you know, throw out some names out there. Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, Paul Dini, Ellen Burnett, Bruce Timm. Um, a lot of these people who, you know, were involved in the projects for not only, you know, one or two episodes, but the entire process behind it, um, specifically Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, and Alan Burnett, those guys who really were the, the, the founders of the, the series 
And then Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, who, as Melinda said, has have left a, a lasting Im- impact on the entire Batman community. Whenever a new film or video game comes out and the characters aren't voiced by them, you know, there's always a slight bit of you know um, refusal at first from some of some of the fans because it's not Mark Hamill or or um, it's because it's not Mark Hamill or Kevin Conroy. So. Needless to say, this this series is, you know, we'll, we'll probably be here 20 years from now saying how great the series is 40 years, or more specifically, five years from now when it's the 25th anniversary of the series being released. We'll be talking about that then, too. So, I mean, overall, the series is something that uh, we're not going to be forgetting anytime soon, and uh, hopefully in the very soon, in the near... Uh, ah. Hopefully in the very near future we'll be releasing some commentaries in order to kind of celebrate the fact that it's been 20 years for some of the uh, more memorable episodes. So if you, you'd like uh, an episode to actually get some commentary from us, send us an email and let us know what episodes you think should get commentary from the Batman universe. And uh, sometime early next year we'll probably start releasing some of those commentaries for the episodes and uh, we'll... we'll take your suggestions and use them to create some of the more memorable commentaries for some of the more memorable episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Alright, so that's everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website to check out all the latest news related to movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news, as well as everything related to the comic book world. Um, Zero Month is upon us uh, in the comic world. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, check out the Batman Universe comic podcast. Um, Zero Month is a good month to be popping onto some of the uh, comics. You can learn some of the origins and history of some of the characters that uh, they'll be that, that exist within the New 52. Um, definitely check that out. Definitely check out all of our other podcast feeds, including our specials, our interviews, our commentaries, and the Batman Universe Batfans podcast, uh, which is different take on uh, the Batman world, but still within the Batman universe. It's more of a Batfan perspective of uh, events that are going on in the Batman universe. Also, check out Bat Books for Beginners, which uh, you know John is hosting. He took over for Nick. Um, back uh, early in the summer, so uh, Bat Books for Beginners is going strong, and uh, they're releasing new episodes every two weeks as well, so definitely check that out. Uh, you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also send us you can also send us um, messages on Facebook and Twitter. Those are always greatly appreciated, as well as feedback on iTunes. So that is everything for this episode. Just one other real quick thing, if you are interested in going to New York Comic Con, or if you are going to New York Comic Con and you're interested in helping cover the event for the Batman Universe, uh, shoot us an email and let us know. Uh, Steve Rogers, who regularly writes for the website, is going to be attending New York Comic Con on behalf of the Batman Universe to cover events that are are happening at the convention, but uh, he is looking for some help, and we are looking for some help to actually assist Steve in covering some of the events at New York Comic Con as it is in October and there's not a lot of time between now and then so if you are interested shoot us an email and let us know if you're going to New York Comic Con and we'll link you up with Steve so you guys can help cover some of the uh, interesting things that are going to be happening in New York Comic Con so that is everything this is Dustin this is Melinda and this is John you've been listening to the Batman Universe podcast we'll see you guys next time Have a great week.
Oh, my first podcast back, and when you see the download figures, my last podcast back. 